Thank you all. That was pretty. Well, we're continuing our study in Matthew. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, Matthew 11, uh, beginning in verse 9. We're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, John the Baptist, of course, and we're going to talk about him again tonight. Uh, the first thing uh, about uh, his mark of greatness was his ability to overcome weakness. You remember that? He was uh, a very, uh, not shy, but he was a reserved man who spoke uh, for the Lord. He had a lot of courage. Uh, he was self-deprecating in many ways. He had a lot of things working against him. But he just did what God had called him to do. And, of course, he was used mightily uh, by the Lord. So tonight we're picking up from there on uh, verse 9, chapter 11. But why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I say to you, the one who is more than a prophet. This is one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of woman, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now tonight, uh, I'm going to make some statements that sound almost unbelievable, some kind of sweeping statements. You know, one of the problems with sweeping statements is that sometimes you forgot this little part over here or that little part over there. Um, but as we look at the life of John the Baptist, there are some things about him that are really remarkable. And, of course, we want to pattern uh, many of the things that John did in our lives. We want to be forthright and, and uh, have no cowardice about us. We want to be people that will stand up for the Lord and he certainly did that, his whole ministry. He was strong, strong uh, for the Lord. John's second mark of greatness is tonight in this passage, and it talks about his privileged calling. He had a special calling from God. Until Christ's own ministry began, no human being, now this is one of those sweeping statements, no human being had been called to a task as high and as sacred as John the Baptist. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that a remarkable thing to say? Jesus uh, asked the crowd a third question. He said, uh, why did you go out? Why did you go out into the wilderness to see this man? Uh, did you go out to see a prophet? Well, the answer, of course, to that is clearly yes. They thought he was a prophet. That's why they went out. He was preaching as no other man uh, had preached before. He was saying things like, thus saith the Lord. That's what the 8th century prophets did. He, he had no hesitancy to say, this is God's word. This is what God wants me to say. And he did that over and over again. John the Baptist had developed a large and dedicated following. Uh, we don't know if it was thousands. We don't really know these numbers. But, you know, the Scripture says that everybody went out to hear him. So if it was, was everybody, it would be thousands. Uh, we know that he had some disciples that followed him very closely. 
And so it, it turned out to be a large crowd. Most of the people, uh, indeed, did consider him to be a prophet. Now, they didn't really know what a prophet was because there hadn't been a prophet in 400 years. So, I mean, there had been a tremendous period in there where the people had been waiting, hoping uh, for the Messiah to come. The prophets had foretold it, and they were hoping and praying that it was during their day. It would be like today. You know, many folks are praying and hoping uh, that the second coming will come right now and that we'll just be uh, taken up and we won't have to go through all the pain of dying. You know, wouldn't that be good? Uh, usually that's not any fun. And uh, we don't want to go through that. So, we, you know, we want to be just translated to glory. Uh, well, uh, back then, you know, you, you see this man, you say, uh, he is obviously a prophet. And they went out by the droves to hear him preach. The prophetic office began. Now, don't answer out loud, but think with me. Who do you think was the first prophet? Don't, don't say out loud. As I was studying for this tonight, I, I started thinking, and I uh, wrote down my first choice and then my second choice. <laughs> I was wrong on all of them. Uh, the first choice should have been Moses. Uh, he was the first prophet, Moses. Uh, it extended until when? Don't say out loud. Uh, do you know when it extended to the age and the ministry of the prophets until the Babylonian captivity went till then then for 400 years no prophet they call that the interbiblical period the separation if you will between the Old Testament and the New Testament you know with the coming of Christ well uh, here comes John the Baptist and he is a prophet of God. He is a powerful, powerful preacher. And he had so many ways that were unique to him. He ate locusts and wild honey. I think I mentioned last week I could go with the honey, but I wouldn't touch the locusts. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. He wore uh, camel's hair and a leather uh, belt, and that's all. Uh, he didn't have any Tommy Johns. Uh, he, that's all he wore. That's all he had. Uh, he, just, uh, he just wore that. He was the valedictorian of the prophets. He was the most dynamic. He was the most articulate. He was the most confrontational. And he was the most powerful spokesman for God that God had ever called. Now, that's a sweeping statement. But that is what the scripture leads us to believe. And of course, Jesus is going to affirm that in a few verses. As the last prophet, he would not only announce that the Messiah was coming, he would announce that the Messiah is here. Is here. You remember that day? Jordan River? He said, there he is. There he is. In true greatness, the right person is always matched to the right position. You've got to have those uh, 
two together, the right person, the right position. When you get those together, then you can have true greatness. There are a lot of people that are really great, but they never get in the right pew, so to speak. You know, there are a lot of people that have uh, great singing voices, but they never, they never get in the right place. They never really use that great instrument that they have been given by God for God. And it's such a, such a shame. No person can fulfill his human potential like a Christian can because God, in his omniscience, he matches our talents and our gifts and our calling. He puts it together for us. He calls us. And he lets us know very clearly that that is what he wants us to do. I wonder if um, tonight you have felt the hand of, don't answer again. I wonder if you have felt the hand of God on you to do what you have done in your life. You know, to do this kind of job, to be a, a carpenter or a plumber or a corporation president or a pilot or whatever it was. You know, when you get those three things right, talent, gift, and calling, you do uh, an excellent job. You know, if you work at it and give it your best, you do a great thing because God has put those things together for you. Jesus assured the people that John the Baptist was not only a prophet, but that he was more than a prophet. Now, I don't know if you want to turn to this. Uh, Malachi 3.1 Jesus was quoting this. He said, this is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. John was both a prophet. About to sneeze. John was both a prophet and the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, that's, That's really an interesting thing. He was, he was prophesying what was going to happen, but he also uh, was, in some ways, the fulfillment of some of the prophecy. After thousands of years of God's preparation and God's prediction, John was given the unequaled privilege of being the Messiah's personal herald. He was the one that said, he is coming, he is coming, there he is. John the Baptist was the one that got to do that. Continuing his praise of John, Jesus said this, and this is one of my uh, favorite uh, verses in the whole Bible. Uh, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there has never arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now, you talk about sweeping statements. Now, that is a sweeping statement. I've said this, I think, for the last three weeks, but, you know, that includes Moses, that includes Abraham, that includes all the prophets, that includes all the kings, godly kings, that includes everybody that was born up until that time. I mean, that is a sweeping, sweeping statement. There has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. He was the greatest human being who had lived up until that time. John the Baptist had a singleness of purpose. He was preparing the way 
for the Messiah. He was called since his womb to do that job. And he did that job. He fulfilled his mission. And he did it to the very best of his ability. And he gave his life for it. He did, I mean, he went all the way. He did everything. All right, let's look at verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you care to accept it, he himself is Elijah, who was to come. Now, even if a man has outstanding character, an outstanding calling, he must also have the opportunity. The opportunity has to be there. Sometimes we have the opportunity and we don't realize that that's it. You know, there are some things that uh, happen and it takes just a few minutes and then it's gone. And that was the greatest opportunity of your life. You remember some times like that? There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of those kind of significant moments in life. You know, we see these movies about some girl going up to get married. And uh, as she's about to get married, the other guy comes in the back door. You know, you've, you've seen some of those movies. And then she has to decide. You know, she has about 30 seconds there to decide uh, which one of those guys, you know, she wants to go with. And sometimes she goes with the one that comes through the back door, and sometimes she stays with the one that she's standing by. Have you ever been offered a job, and you think to yourself later, boy, I should have taken that job. You know, I missed it. I missed it. That was a great job, great people, and I missed it. I didn't, I didn't take, the, take the thing, the opportunity. Well, John the Baptist had an opportunity. He entered the scene of history at precisely, precisely the right moment. After 400 years with no word from the Lord. Now, you remember the prophets in the Old Testament, they would say, Thus saith the Lord. This word is from the Lord. I mean, they were real definite about it. There wasn't any question about it. And those that said that proved to be prophets by what they did and how they acted and, and how things that they said uh, came true. They proved it. Until Jesus began his own ministry, John was the focal point. Now get this. this here's another sweeping statement. John was the focal point of redemptive history. It was all coming together. At one place, at one time, in the ministry of John the Baptist. Now that's very significant. He was the culmination of Old Testament history and Old Testament prophecy. There weren't any more prophets after him. Now I know we have these kooks today that uh, think they're a prophet. We've had a number of religions started by people that thought they were prophets. They're not prophets. Uh, the prophets of God are in the Old Testament. And there's one in the New Testament. is John the Baptist. John 
generated conflict wherever he went. I mean, it was a big problem wherever he went because his message upset the status quo. I mean, he would start pointing out sin in people's life. Boy, nobody likes that. You know, if somebody did, did that to you, you wouldn't like it. With his call for repentance, he stirred up a hornet's nest among the religious leaders and even the king. And the king and the king's wife got so mad that uh, there was violence, and then he was arrested, and then he was in prison, and then he was executed. They cut off his head. His message was always uh, one that uh, drove people either straight to the Lord or straight away from the Lord. He, he denounced people and uh, tried to set them straight. And some of them, I'm sure, repented of their sin and were baptized by him. The scripture says that. The kingdom of heaven here refers to God's general rule, uh, his will for and his work with mankind, especially his chosen people. The Pharisees and the scribes had attacked John verbally. Herod attacked him physically. The kingdom was being violently denied and rejected. Now, guess what's happening around the world today? These terrorists around the world are taking Christian people out and killing them by the hundreds, by the thousands. They're raping the women. They're cutting the heads off the men. They're crucifying certain people. They're killing the babies. They're killing the children. And that's happening over a large section of the world. It's just unbelievable that these people are so barbaric. It's just unbelievable that they can do that and live with themselves. And guess what? We have some people in America that are going over there to sign up. It's just unbelievable. I can't, I can't understand any of that. Doesn't make any sense at all. The kingdom was being violently denied and rejected. Soon the enemies of the kingdom would not only kill John the Baptist, but they would also kill Jesus. They would crucify him on a cruel cross. All of God's previous revelation culminated in John the Baptist. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John. And then it ended. That was the end of the line. Everything from Genesis to Malachi to John the Baptist pointed to and moved toward the coming Christ. Their common theme, sometimes explicit, sometimes implicit, was the Messiah is coming. That's what they all were saying. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And that's what John the Baptist had been saying for a long time out in the wilderness. And then he said, there he is. And if you care to accept it, Jesus continued, he himself is Elijah who was to come. Now, just to be real frank with you, that verse is a bit of a problem for me. Uh, I, I don't know, 
I don't know what your translation says there, but uh, I have a I have a bit of a problem there because uh, it wasn't Elijah; it was John the Baptist. Um, I have some verses if you want to write out in the margin by this verse. Uh, this was not the reincarnate Elijah, but another prophet, much like Elijah. Malachi's prophecy referred to John the Baptist and not to a literally returned Elijah is made clear by the angel's message to Zechariah about John the Baptist. Luke 1.17. If you want to write that out in the margin, uh, that might help us. Luke 117, it is he who will go as a forerunner before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah. See, that's saying it wasn't Elijah, it was somebody like Elijah. And John himself said in John 1.21, you might want to write that down, John 1.21. John himself, John the Baptist said, I am not Elijah. John was like Elijah internally in his spirit and in his power and externally in kind of a rugged independence. He he charted his own course. Uh, You know, he stayed in the wilderness. He didn't come in and stay at the Howard Johnson's. He was out in the wilderness. And he was a nonconformist. He didn't go along with any of the stuff Uh, that the people in Jerusalem were doing. Most Jews did not accept John or the Messiah he heralded. Jesus gave a final admonition and warning. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, this is the truth and you ought to hear it and you ought to believe it and you ought to understand it to be this way. John is indeed the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus is saying. And he's saying, I am indeed the Messiah, as John has testified to you. John was the greatest man to live before Christ, but the highest greatness. Now, this is real hard to understand, this right here. I've read a bunch of commentaries about it, and none of them you know, really, I think, explain this real well. This is very, very hard uh, to understand. The highest greatness God offers is not like John's. John was a unique man, greatly used of God in redemptive uh, scheme of things before the new covenant. No question about that. But his greatness pales, Jesus said, beside those who enter his spiritual kingdom through trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior in the new covenant. Jesus is saying that every person from the time of Jesus on has a higher position in glory than John the Baptist. They get to a higher point because they're a part of the new covenant. They have trusted and believed in Jesus. True greatness is not being like John the Baptist, but being in fact as best you can like Jesus himself. 
It would seem like, uh, you know, some people aren't very good Christians. It wouldn't be as great as John the Baptist. But that's uh, what the scripture uh, teaches. Well, I want to finish with a, a little story. When I was a little kid uh, growing up in Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, we had a great pastor of our church. He was a, kind of a big man, and he always wore a black suit. And he, I don't know what was wrong, but under his eyes it was kind of black, and he had kind of a, a pointed face. And he, he looked kind of like a prophet, you know, what you would expect a prophet to look like. He looked like that. And he had a great voice, and he was a great preacher. He had a great mind. And uh, one Sunday, we all came in, of course, and sat down. And he, I don't remember the text that he used, but uh, he got up and he said, What time is it? And, you know, I was sitting back there, and I looked at my watch, and I said, Well, it's 5 after 11, you know, or 11.30 or whatever it was. He said, uh, is it time for you uh, to get with it? Is it time for you to really trust in Christ and start living like you've trusted in Christ? What time is it? He said that about 50 times. What time is it? And then, he, you know, in between each one of those, he would challenge us to a higher step in our Christian faith. It was it was remarkable, really. He had a great mind, and he uh, he just said all these things that were so powerful to me. I was a little kid, and uh, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. It was it was remarkable. What time is it? And of course, after second or third time, nobody was looking at their watch anymore. And uh, he he said things like. Uh, it's time for you to have a quiet time. Are you doing it? It's time for you to uh, tithe your income. Are you doing it? It's time for you to have good, strong Christian relationships. Are you doing it? Those are the three points in my message this morning. You know, it was, it was just right on point, you know, just right on point. As the hour went on, it got to about the time where he usually would begin the invitation. And he said uh, for the 50th time, what time is it? And he kind of looked around the room and there was, you know, one of those dramatic pauses for a good while. He looked around. It seemed like he was looking at every single person in there after he said, what time is it? And it, it, was, it was really very touching, you know. It was like he was talking to you, you know, personally. He said, is it time for you to quit putting off the things of God in your life? Is it time for you to confess your sins and trust in Christ? And I guess I want to say that tonight. What time is it? Is it time for you to do that? Is it time for you to quit fooling around and join the church and start serving the Lord, not just be a visitor? You know, we have about 75 people that just visit. They just visit. 
You know, they think maybe this is the best show in town Sunday morning. And uh, they just visit. You know, they, they don't join. They don't participate in anything. They don't have any job in the church. They just, they just come for an hour once a week, and then they leave. Well, what time is it? Is it time for you to get beyond that, to get to where you follow some of the commandments and God's word and, and do some of the things that he wants you to do? Well, tonight, if, uh, if that speaks to you, I want you to respond in faith. I want you to respond and say, you know, I've been putting it off and putting it off, but tonight I'd really like to trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior. Tonight I'd really like to join his church and be a part of his family. If you'd like to do that, we want to give you the opportunity to do it. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads, you just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for him. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm. 